Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We give you the honor and the glory. Amen. That is the truth, Lord. Simple pursuit. The chase after you. Yes. Nothing can come close to you, Lord. You can have all the riches of this world and it won't satisfy you. Nothing comes close to you, Lord. You can have your favorite condo on the French Riviera. You can have your Mercedes or your BMW or your Lamborghini out in the driveway and it can't come close to you. It's you, Lord, and it's you only. Father, let this church, Freedom Church and the Palm Beaches, be known for your presence. Lord God, we need your presence here, Lord. We don't just want him. We need him because he's the one that does all the work, and we're just vessels in your hand. Lord, we want to see healings in this church, physical, mental, emotional healings. We want to see deliverance from drugs, alcohol, demons, and the like. We want to see the lame walk and the deaf hear and the, the blind see. Lord, help us to have the faith that would move mountains. Lord, Freedom Church might be small, but we're mighty in spirit because you are our mighty captain. You are a mighty warrior who goes before us. And Lord, we're going to win this battle, and we are winning this battle, and it's time for the kingdom to possess the kingdom of God on this earth. Because you have already defeated the enemy. You crushed his skull at Calvary and he just bruised your heel. And the third day you rose again. We at Freedom Church believe this, Lord, with all of our heart. We want the world to believe it with all their heart, Lord. Father, we agree with you that we're all sinners and fall short of your glory. We want to do what you want us to do, which is go there for and make disciples, not just converts, but disciples, men and women who will go out and reach this world and preach to the lost and go places where Coca-Cola never got to. Lord, because your whole Holy Spirit is much powerful than a greenback dollar bill. So, Lord, we can't wait for your kingdom to come to this earth and your will to be done like it is in heaven lord we can't wait for that day this world getting darker and darker and darker by the moment adult children are disrespecting their parents like never before lord god people are just foul and worse than they've ever been and isaiah tells us in chapter 5 and verse 20 that woe to them who call evil good and good evil. Lord, that's America. That's the world today. They call evil good and good evil. Not so at Freedom Church, Lord. We're going to preach the gospel, the full gospel, the whole counsel of God, so that you receive glory. And only those that want to be delivered and healed and saved will come into this place, Lord. Bring them in, one by one, by tens, uh, by 
hundreds by thousands, Lord. We can always find a bigger place. And we know that you are able. It's written in your word that nothing is impossible for you. You turned the world upside with 12 young men. Well, maybe older men. Actually, there was 11 because Judas was gone and Matthias wasn't chosen yet and neither was Paul saved at this point. Turned the world upside down. Once Paul was added, Lord, the gospel went into Asia and Europe and spread miraculously. Lord, that's what we need here today. We need people to be hungry for the word of God instead of alcohol and drugs and coke. We need them to be hungry, Lord. We don't want them to be warmed in their heart. We want them to be on fire in their heart. Lord, I pray that you open up the doors on this church on Sunday when Matt comes to preach and we're preaching about missions. Lord, we want to know you more fully at Freedom Church. At least I do. And I believe, Lord, the congregation does too. Lord, we give you this service. Father, I want to pray for a few people, Lord, that are sick. I think of Bob Muller that's home. Lord, I can't get a hold of the family. I don't know what's going on in hospice, in his bed, in his house. And he wasn't well when I saw him a few weeks ago. And nobody will answer my calls. I pray for Derek, his son-in-law, that's having radiation and treatments for his cancer, his leukemia that he has, and fell and broke his hip and is in rehab now. Even he don't call me back. I pray for Janice Baratari, Lord, that's lost her balance and his equilibrium, and tomorrow she has an appointment with a radiologist, Lord. And I pray for her. I pray, Lord God, that you reach down right now and you touch Janice. And when she goes to that doctor, that doctor says, I don't even know why you're here. You need to go home because you've been, you've been miraculously healed. Because I have your records from last week, but I have your new records today. Lord, you are able. I remember a, a Spanish guy named Matzo. And when I lettered on a bus for my friend Leaf, I wrote, he is able above the windshield in big letters. And Matzo asked, he said, what does that mean? He is able. And we told him about Jesus is able to save him. And he was saved. And not too longer after that, he got cancer and died. A young man of 30 years old or so. Lord, what does it profit a man if we gain the whole world and forfeit our own soul? Let the world wake up. Instead of having the wisdom of men, may they have the wisdom of God. And may they long for Jesus Christ and him crucified, dead, buried, and risen in their heart. And they would, be, they would come alive and be born again of the spirit of you, the living God. Let it be done, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Jesus of Nazareth, Yeshua, Hamashiach. In his name, Father, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Hey, I don't apologize for long prayers. You know what? You're going to see here tonight that Paul is actually going to be requesting the church that they pray for him. You know what? You can still pray for Paul because these prayers, I'm sure God knew before Paul even got saved. And, you know, and God was working on our prayers even to this day. Romans chapter 1. I don't know if we're going to stay in Romans or what, 
I don't know what God has to say. We'll find out next Thursday night. But we went through six, six verses last week in Romans chapter 1. I'm going to review them because it's important. You know, my, my discipling pastor, whom I loved, who was with the Lord tonight, I always asked him, how, how do you not lose your memory verses? And he kept saying, review, review, review. In other words, if you want to keep your memory verses in your mind, you've got to review them. You know, next time your doctor puts you in a CAT scan machine, close your eyes and quote Scripture and remember where they've been. Or when you're sitting at a traffic light, why not? Quote a verse and remember Scripture. You have to review. So that's why I review when we come back the next week. I review what we had the first week because this all plays in a, in a beautiful picture. So I'm going to read the first 13 verses. I'm going to review on the, f on the first six verses, and then we'll get into the, the Bible study. I'll do a re real short um, review, so just to remember, so you can remember. Romans chapter 1, verse 1, Paul. Oh, I'm reading from the New King James for those who want to know. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning the Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom you also are called of Christ Jesus. To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from our God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness whom I serve with my whole spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request of it by some means. Now, at last, I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you, and I'm, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift, so that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you, by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now, that I may, might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. That's our passage here for tonight. I'm going to review, as I said. He says in verse 1, Paul, a bondservant. He's called. He's separated. He's a bondservant. I told you last week, Paul was saying, I'm a gallows slave. I am the one who rows the mighty sailboats that don't have engines back in his days. He was one of the oar guys that rowed the boat when there was no headwind. And he was chained. These, these servants were chained to the oars. Paul was saying, I am chained to Jesus. I'm a bond servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. In chains. 
even said to Festus in the later chapters of the book of Acts, he said, I wish that all could come. He was talking to King Agrippa. He said, I wish all could come to know you, the Lord Jesus Christ, except for these chains. Well, the gospel is unchained today in America for the most part. And you should be a bond servant because you most likely aren't going to lose your life in America. If you've gone on some missions trips, and I have, you could be hurt in some, some way. He's a bond servant in verse 1. He's called, called to be an apostle, called. That means that he's divinely selected for a church office. You know what? As we go through this chapter, you're going to see that you have been called for a, a uh, what can I say, a divine, divinely selected for your gift to be used in the Christian church today. Too many Christians are sitting there with gifts that were given to them by the Holy Spirit with the laying on of hands. Like Paul says, I long to come to you so I can impart some spiritual gift to you. But a lot of the churches today, they don't want you to lay your hands on them because they might get a gift of tongues or prophecy or something that they can't handle. Listen, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You know, if God called you and he wants you to have the gift of, that you don't want, too bad. And I'm going to tell you one thing. Most likely he's going to give you the gift you do don't want so that you know it was him because he wants to teach you how not to fear the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He's called to be an apostle. And then it says here, separated unto the gospel of God. Separated. He's separated. Listen. He's been, been separated for the gospel. That's, that's his job. He's an apostle. He's going to be separated the rest of his life. 2 Corinthians 6, 17 and 18. Let me read it to you. 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 6, 17, and 18. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Listen, separated means, and you are separated too. You're going to see that come up. You are separated to the gospel of Jesus Christ the day you were born. And God is saying, when you came to Christ, you are to come out from the world. Come out from and be separated from the world. That means, you know, when I tell people that just got out of jail or, or people that, that are just got saved, I tell them, you know, you might have to separate from your friends because they're more likely to pull you down until you get grounded enough in the gospel that you can go back and get them. So you might have to have a little patience. You are separated to the gospel of God. God says, you Christians, all you Christians out there in the pew and out there in the pews or in the chairs, I don't care what church you want, you're from, you have been separated. That means you need to come out from the world. That means you don't look like the world anymore. You don't do drugs. You don't do alcohol. You don't look at pornography. And, 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 and you don't take the Lord's name in vain anymore. You were to come out from among the heathens, the Gentiles, as would have been said here in these days. A Gentile reference in the Old Testament is somebody who doesn't believe the gospel. They doesn't, don't even know some of them. You have been separated for the gospel. 
The Greek word is aphorodizo, which means set apart. You have been set apart from the world. You aren't like them anymore. If you look like them and act like them and talk like them, you still are them. You still are them. You're not saved at all. And I'll put it right point blank. Because by your fruit, Jesus said, we will know you. By your fruit. You might grow up as a tear, and a tear looks just like a wheat. Just like wheat. And you're not supposed to pull out the tear because it looks just like wheat. And that tear might be a, a, true, a true root, a wheat stem. Until it's full grown. And once it gets full grown, the wheat begins to fall over because the weight of the fruit at the top of it, the tear will look the same, but there's no fruit. That's a tear. So by the fruit that you have in your life, even I can tell whether you're a believer or not. If you get saved and you were a, 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 an adulteress or adult, idolater, and you still are after you got saved, yeah, I'm going to wonder if you are saved. Here's the application for us today by what we just reviewed last week. If you are a bond servant of Christ, you are to come out from among them and be separate. Simple as that. So when you raise your hand in church, when a priest or a pastor uh, gives a, a preacher gives an altar call, you better be willing to come out from among them. Jesus said it this way, if you want to build a tower, don't you calculate the cost first? You better calculate the cost and see if you mean what you say and test yourself and see if you are a Christian and examine yourself. That's what verse 1 practically. Here's Paul. You know what? Other thing we can see, three stages of Paul's separation, and these stages will apply to us too. First step of his three steps of, of separation is at his birth. Paul was called in his mother's womb. He says here in Galatians 1.15, But it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through grace. You know what? If you're a believer, you have been called from birth. Because I'm convinced, you know, we have a book of life. And in the book of life, there's names written. I have a, I feel, and in the book of life, everybody that's ever born's name is written in there. Everybody. That means you're all called. You know what? You're all called. And you ever passage in the scriptures that said, if you don't do this, I will erase your name from the book of life. That's what makes me think that in that book of life, your name was written in there from birth. And here's Paul saying it to you and backing it up with Scripture. Number two, of number two stage of Paul's conversion. Is that his conversion? That's number two, and it should be at your conversion. Acts 9, 15 and 16. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine, to bear my name before the Gentiles, before kings, and before the children of Israel. He was separated. He was, well, the stage number two is your name's in the book. Stage number two is at your conversion. You will have a conversion to Christ. That means, you know, you're going to answer that call someday. If you're sitting there shaking in your boots right now, that's the Holy Spirit. He's saying to you, accept Jesus. Receive Christ as your, your Savior. And then you will be conver converted. 
into a believer of Christ, just like Paul. And number three stage of Paul's conversion is his commission. From secular work of building tents to the work of God. In Acts 13, chapter 1, of chapter 2, I'm just going to read Acts 13, verse 2. As they ministered to the Lord, the disciples were ministering to the Lord, and the Lord and, and fasted, the Holy Spirit said this, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have them, have them called to. Listen. Separated. You have been separated for the work of God. That means you're to, be, you're to obey the, the Great Commission, which is to go, therefore, and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, I will be with you always. So application number two from, from our last week's lesson is there's three stages of your separation. Number one, from birth. Your name is written in that book, from birth. Number two, your conversion. There's a time in your life when you'll be converted. You'll be born again. Jesus said, unless you, unless you be born again, Nicodemus, you will not see the kingdom of God. Don't be alarmed, Nicodemus, that I said you must be born again. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Don't be alarmed at that. You have to be born again. It's, it's easy when you think about it. You're a three-triune person. You're body, soul, spirit. It's easy when you think about it. You were born bodily, and you have to be born again spiritually. It makes sense, doesn't it? Nicodemus got it, finally, I believe. So, then there's at birth, at your conversion, and then at your commission. We're going to be sending out Matt this week, Matt Feldner, to his commission, which he's called from the Lord. He's been separated by the Holy Spirit to go to Brazil and to teach English to mi young missionaries that are going out into English-speaking nations preaching the gospel. So he's been called. Then we got Brett doing the same thing. He's been called to Brazil, then Nigeria, then Tan Tasma Tasmania. Oh, Tasmania? Tan oh, was it? Tanzania. Tanzania. You know, and I know for a fact he's ministered in Sweden and in um, Finland. Come on. Come on. He's going out and do it. He's going to be preaching the next Sunday after Matt, just so you know that. So if you guys out there over the Internet, you want to hear some good teaching, you get here this Sunday, the 23rd and the 30th. You and Matt's going to preach this Sunday, and Brett's going to preach the following Sunday, and he's going to give you some of his, his, his uh, you know, what happened in in uh, these countries that he went to, and you're gonna be, you're gonna love it, and it's gonna fire you up so that you too could could be excited about the Lord again and be willing to go out there the Great Commission. I know for a fact Brett's gonna be organizing things. He's gonna be in America for a while. He's gonna organize different things all over the Palm Beach County. I already talked to him about that. That's what he's gonna be doing. So you are separated. You are called to to the gospel of Christ, just like Paul. Only Paul had a, a miraculous, I mean, a lot of people have miraculous uh, changes in their life, but Paul was used mightily to write a lot of the scriptures down and be given things that, that uh, are, are for us today. So, let's see, more of a review. Verse 4, 
and declared to be the Son of God by, by, with power according to the Spirit of holiness. This tells us here, right in this verse, Paul is telling you that, you know, Jesus, I'm not still talking about Jesus. He proved himself. He proved himself with power of the Holy Spirit. And those powerful things that he did, just like the Word of God says, that when the Messiah comes, he's going to heal the sick, he's going to raise the dead, the blind are going to see, the deaf are going to speak, the, the, the deaf are going to hear, the dead are going to be raised, the oppressed are going to be set free. Jesus did this. Paul's declaring this because this is what Jesus did. He didn't just say he was the Messiah. He proved he was the Messiah. And I showed that on Sunday when we finished the book of uh, the Acts, Matthew chapter 8, how Jesus was shown himself to be Jehovah Rapha as he brought healing to the leper. He was the God who is there as he healed the centurion's servants from a distance. That's El Elroy, El Roy, you know. I mean, he's he showed him to be the victory banner. Jehovah Nisi. I showed all these to you Sunday. Jesus didn't just show up and say he was Messiah. He proved he was Messiah. The blind see, the dead hear, the oppressed are raised, the crippled walk. Jesus says in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, Jesus, God's anointed with power, and he went out doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him, for God was with him. I said that twice. You know what? Nicodemus said this to Jesus in John chapter 3. He said, Jesus, I know you're from God. You know how I know you're from God, Jesus? You wouldn't be able to do these things. It's proven that Jesus has done these things. Verse 5, I'll just remind you. By whom we have received grace and, and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his namesake, among whom you also are called by Christ Jesus. He's Paul. He's doing you know what Paul's saying. You Romans are called by Christ Jesus. I'm telling you today, everybody that's listening to this message has been called by Christ Jesus. Some of you may not have answered that call, but you've been called by Christ Jesus. Your name's already written in the book. Number one, receive by grace. Paul's telling us right here, it's by grace you're saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. He received by grace. He was a murderer. He instigated Stephen's martyrdom. He went around arresting the saints. Listen. It don't matter what you did in your life. God will forgive you if you ask him with all your heart. As a matter of fact, that's the prayer he wants everyone to pray. Father, forgive me. For I didn't know what I was doing, but now I do. I know you. Number three, obedience to the faith. A lot of Christians, they, they call themselves Christians, but they aren't obedient to the faith. You're saved by grace, yeah, but you don't abuse grace. 
You don't abuse grace. Here's, here's my point. It says application number three out of the first six verses. If a man fails to have faith, he's lost. If a man fails to have faith in Jesus, he is lost. Do you understand that? And don't say, well, that's a narrow way. You're narrow-minded. Well, I, Jesus told us it was narrow. He said the way is narrow, and the door is, is, uh, is narrow that leads to life. But the way to destruction is wide, and there's many who go in by it. Listen, if a man fails to have faith in Christ, he's lost. Do you know that? I hate to be so blunt. But I'm just preaching the Word of God here. If you're out there over the Internet and you don't know Jesus, that means you don't have faith in Him, and that means you're lost. That means you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven because you weren't born again. Because once you're born again, you will begin to understand these things. And you could back that up with Scripture. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. Mark 16, 16, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. John 8, 24, unless you believe that I am, you'll die in your sins. Unless you believe I am, which is the name of God, I guess you know that. I hope you know that. I am is the name of God. In Exodus, Moses said to the burning bush, who should I say sent me? He says, you say, I am sent you. I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 6, 39 says this, you search the scriptures and you think by reading the scriptures you have eternal life. That's not true. You search the scripture and in them you think you have eternal life, but these are they that bear witness to Jesus. You understand that? If you fail to have faith in Jesus Christ, you are lost and you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So you need to put your faith in Jesus Christ right now with all your heart, not just a whim, flimsy thing, oh, I believe, oh, I believe. No, with tears, with your heart aching, and then you go get up and you obey the Scriptures. And you can, you can obey the Scriptures a lot easier because now you have the Holy Spirit that just entered your life. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead just entered you, and you can have victory over drugs, alcohol, demons, you name it. Because greater is He that's in you than he that's in the world. Verse 7, To all who be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace and peace, to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, look at there's that word called again. Paul was called. The Greek is kletos. Is called means you have been called to a, a divinely selected gift to apply in your life. You are called to a divine office. It might be hospita hospitality. It might be knowledge, it might be wisdom, it might be uh, prophecy, it might be tongues. You have been called to a divine office, and whatever it is, you need to practice it. I was called to the divine office of teaching. I love to teach. I love to preach in there, too. I want you to be saved. But I teach. You know, I was called to that. 
I knew that as soon as I got saved. I tried, I tried the kindergarten being with the little kids, teaching them and how to knock over the blocks that we just built. I, I went to fifth grade. I was, you know, they wouldn't listen to me. They sit there and, you know, I don't know, look all over the place, pick their nose, you name it. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. That's true. I went to try sixth grade, pretty much the same thing. Then my pastor asked me to teach in front of the men's group, adult men. And I was scared to death. But you know what? I said, I'm going to give it a try. And I gave it a try, and I loved it because these people were agreeing with me. And they're, yeah, yeah, preach it, Joe, you know. So, listen, I knew, I've, been, I've been developing that gift as the years been going on. And I don't pretend to be the greatest preacher in the world. I'll pray I'm probably the worst. But the point is, I was called, and I'm doing it, and I want to do it. I preach to as many as one people, one person sometimes. You know what? If that one person gets saved, praise God. I'd rather preach to a, a one person and he gets saved than 300 people and they don't get saved. Listen, you're called to be a saint, believer. That's what Paul says here in verse 7. Oops, let me turn to my chapter again. Here, verse 7. Who are called in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. <laughs> Paul was saying, if you believe in Jesus, you are a saint. You know, you don't need to have some church type up a paper that says, we now say that Mother Teresa is a saint. I believe she was a saint because she believed in Jesus Christ. That's your criteria for being a saint. That you're a believer in Jesus Christ. So you are a saint. Act like it. Act like it. Like Paul, you were divinely called and selected by God at birth, at your conversion, and at your commissioning to take the gospel into the world. Paul's asking for prayer concerning his visit here in verse 8. Verse 8, we're now into our study, verse 7. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Ooh, 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 look at Paul's saying, I thank God for you. He's basically saying, he's saying that, um, you know, I've been hearing all about you. Your faith is taking off. Your faith is spoken out throughout the whole world. He's saying the whole world here. Technically, I would think he's probably saying throughout the Roman Empire. Paul has never, never been at Rome, but he always wanted to go to Rome. He's going to get an all-expense-paid all trip to Rome pretty soon. He's going to get an all-expense-paid you know, trip to Rome with a, with a shipwreck, which I was on two weeks ago on Sunday, the four anchors. God was still directing him on his way to Rome. He had to stop in Malta to win people over to Christ, and he did with signs and wonders that followed him, shaking off serpents, you know, Vipers into the fire, healing the sick with, with power. You are a saint, church. We need to act like saints. We can't be going to church, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be coming down, and some people may be out there. You can't be coming to church, calling yourself a saint, and then living with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. It's just the way it is. You're flaunting your sin, and it's not good. And they are abusing grace. Abusing grace. 
You know, a lot of people won't come to this church just because they heard that. You know that? They don't want to be confronted with their sin. God wants us to get rid of our sin. I've been working on sins all my life, getting rid of them. And God helped me to get rid of most of them or a lot of them. And I, I can tell you one thing. It wasn't, it wasn't me that delivered me from drinking alcohol. It wasn't me who delivered me from, from you know, my tongue. It was God in me through the power of the Spirit. You are a saint, and you have the Spirit of God in you. And some church doesn't have to, you know, you don't have to be recognized by one, some particular church to be a saint. You're a saint because you were called by God, and you followed the call and said yes to Jesus. And he's telling the Roman church, I wanted to come to you because I've never been there, but somehow the gospel got there. I want to come to you because your faith is heard throughout the entire world. He's commending them. Hey, Rome, you're, you're doing well. You believe in Jesus, but I want to come there and see you for myself. Verse 9. Verse 9. For God was, is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. He's telling them. First, he thanks God for them. Second, he thanks the them for their faith in God. Now he's saying, he says, I pray for you. I pray for you without ceasing, making mention of the Roman church in my prayers. Always, he's telling them. He prays for them. He's never been there. He's heard of them, but he's praying for them. You know what? Matt said it to Brazil. We can pray for those people that he's going to minister to. Did you know that? And same with Brett when he just came back from Brazil for almost a, over a month. And then he was over in uh, Nigeria for, for two, two weeks or so. Then he was in Tanz Tanzania Tanzania for, for like three weeks. You know what? He's doing it. He, he, he needs our prayers to do it. And not only that, financial support. He didn't tell me to tell you that. I'm just telling you that. We need it. You need it. Okay. He's saying, I pray for you. Wasn't that nice to know? I know when I first was be, being evangelized, I wasn't saved yet. This, this guy, he was an elder in a church. His name was Dudley Mays. He's a pastor now, by the way. Um, Dudley Mays came up to me, and he said, how's the Bible reading going or something like that? And we got to talking, and he said to me, because me and my wife, and he mentioned her name, and it was a catchy name, but I forget it. And he said, because me and my wife and our church are praying for you. And I thought, they're praying for me? Wow, that's encouraging. You know, somebody's praying for me. I come out of a completely lost family. I don't know of anybody in my family who was saved. Grandparents, parents, children, you know, brothers and sisters. I come out of a completely unsaved family. And I, you know what I figure? I ran into a picture of my grandma and grandpap on my dad's side. Just the other day in a garage, I have it in a frame, and I remember them, but I don't remember them talking godly or anything. But I thought maybe it was them that were praying for me because they came straight from Sicily back in probably the early 1900s. So I think it could have been them or it could have been my great-grandparents or the great-great-grandparents, but somebody was praying for me. And there's some more than likely there's somebody in your line that was praying for you. And I appreciate that. And number verse 10, 
making request if by some means now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. Paul is saying he, he doesn't know he's going to get this all-expense-paid trip to Rome. But he's trying to work his way to Rome, you know, but he, 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 he can't get there, obviously. But he's going to make it there because God told him, you must stand before Caesar. I think it's in um, Exodus, no, Acts chapter 19. God said, you must stand before Caesar. Well, Caesar was in Rome. And then Paul says in verse 10, he's saying to you, I'll pray, I'm praying for you. Will you pray for me that God's will may allow me to come to you? And obviously, God honored those prayers from the saints living in that day and even the saints today because God knew you were going to pray that even though Paul lived way before you, 1900 years or so. You know, God knew it. Pray for me. Here's Paul has a purpose. There's a purpose for Paul's visit. In verse 11, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift, so that you may be established. Here, here's Paul. Listen, when we send Matt on, Matt's preaching next week, but the next following week he's going to be here. Brett's going to preach. And when we're done with that service, we are going to call Brett, um, Matt up front, and we are going to lay our hands on him, and we're going to impart a spiritual gift to him. Gifts that he already has. He has a teaching gift, a preaching gift. I've already heard him in Brazil. Him and I preached many times. Okay? okay? But we're going to play our hands on him and impart, uh, uh, hopefully impart a, a spiritual gift to him. Maybe, maybe the same gift he already had with more anointing or maybe another gift. But we're going to lay our hands on him. And this is something that the church is afraid to do today. They'll lay hands on you to pray over you if you're sick or, you know, that the paper this, but that, you know, but you know what? You lay on hands on them so that, you know, he could prophesy, so he can have words of knowledge, discerning of spirits, some of the gifts. This is why the church won't do it today, a lot of the churches, because they might get a spiritual gift that they don't like. Oh, my goodness. You know what? The Bible says that these gifts, I think it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the gifts are to, uh, to uh, what can I say, power pack the church. But if you don't want the gifts, guess what? The, power, the church is going to be powerless. Or uh, let me put it this way, going to have less power because they aren't imparting the gifts, the laying on of hands for mutual benefit. That's what the scriptures say. That I may impart a spiritual gift to you. We know from my studies of Scripture, there's 16 or 17 gifts. It depends on how you look at some of those gifts. Paul wants to, to, um, to impart a spiritual gift to them. Okay? That's why he wants to go there. And let me, let me show you some spiritual gifts. There's the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith by the same Spirit. There's miracles. There's healings, there's prophecy, there's giving, there's leading, there's mercy, there's discerning of spirits, there's different tongues, there's interpretation of tongues, there's ministry, there's teaching, there's exhortation, there's uh, administration, and there's helps. These are all gifts. We lay hands on people, we're like supposed to impart a spiritual gift, but 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says the Holy Spirit gives the gifts as He wills, so we let Him do it. 
He's going to give you the gift that you need. When Matt goes to Brazil, he might, and whatever he's going to do, he might need the gift of prophecy there. Or he may need the gift of the word of knowledge. You know, he might need those things. And God, we're going to ask God to, to give them to him. Yeah, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 and 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 and 11. Let me read 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. <laughs> so if you don't lay hands on these people to impart them a spiritual gift, then, then what the purpose is to, for the profit of all. So if you don't lay hands on people so that they may have the gift of, say, healing, then you may not be healed because you wouldn't impart that gift. Come on, church, we got to wake up. we got to wake up. Like I said, the way I preach, the church may not get big long. You know, I heard this one preacher, several preachers said this. You give me that church of 20,000 and let me have it for a month and I'll, I'll whittle it down to 50%. Because there's a lot of people in church that think they're saved that are not saved. Hate to be so blunt, but it's true. Billy Graham said he'd be happy if 10% of the people that came to his crusades and came up front were really saved. So if you preach to a million people, a million, 10% is, is, is 100,000. He would be satisfied. Some people just aren't saved. Here's the reasons for the gifts. 1 Peter 4.11, that God might be glorified through Christ. That's the reason for the gift. If I come down here on Sunday and I lay hands on, say, um, or anybody, it don't have to be me, it could be any of you, lay hands on Janice, who's, being, who's getting a, a biopsy on her, her, the spot on her lung. It's all between the lung and the... The, the, the sack, I believe, you know, and you lay hands on her, and she goes to the doctor, and the doctor says, there's nothing wrong with you. Listen, it's for the profit of all. If you don't like the gift of healing, if you don't think God heals today, then you aren't going to get healed. I'm going to tell you, unless it's by God's mercy or grace. You've got to wake up, church. You've got to believe what the Word of God says. It says, by the by stripes, Jesus are healed, and by the stripes, Jesus are healed. we got to believe it. But yet they have preacher coming against preacher because he believes in healing, and he believes in tongues, and you don't. So you come against him, and you're a, you know what you are? You're a brother hater because we all do agree on the same thing. And what we agree on is that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. Therefore, as Amos says in 3.3, how can two walk together unless they agree? Well, we do agree. Jesus Christ is Lord. He came, he died, he's buried, he has risen the third day according to the scriptures. You don't like it? That's true. We have differing gifts for differing people. God did that purposely for the profit of all, not so some brother hater can knock down another brother. No, you're a brother hater. And the Bible says this. The Bible says if you hate your brother that you have seen, how can you love God who you have not seen? Oh, is that clear? Shut up, people, and quit cutting down your brother. I could name names, but I'm not going to. Big name preachers. 
lot bigger than say my name. First Timothy four fourteen. Do not neglect the give the gift given to you by the laying on of hands. Don't neglect it. If you're called up front and somebody imparts the gift of teaching to you, do it. You know what? Like I told you, I, I tried kindergartners first. I tried fifth graders. I tried sixth graders. And then it was a fourth time when I got before grown men that I felt comfortable. I didn't quit. And then as time went on, I never spoke in front of audiences. And now I'm speaking in front of audiences for years. But literature was my worst subject, as you can tell when I read. You know what? God doesn't look for eloquent people. He looks for people that have the heart to do it. If you see, you want to side with some eloquent preacher that's not preaching the gospel, you got it all wrong. You need to go to a church preaching the gospel. And that's it. So Romans 1.11 says this, that you might be established by having these gifts imparted to you for the profit of all, that you yourself will be established. I have the gift of tongues. I've had the gift of tongues for 44 years. I speak in the gift of tongues. Not a lot. Most of you have never heard me. And it's most likely going to stay that way. But I have the gift of tongues. When I pray in tongues, I am very encouraged. Because I tried Spanish. I, tried, I was raised in an Italian family. You know, I tried Latin in high school, French in high school. I tried Spanish at least three times. My wife speaks fluent Spanish. I still don't get it. But when I speak in tongues... I am greatly encouraged because I cannot grasp languages. I can grasp uh, words and verbs in Greek and nouns in Greek. I can grab those, but I, I'm bad at pronunciation. So when I speak in tongues, I am greatly encouraged in my spirit because I know it's not me. I know it's the Holy Spirit praying. And that's what the gift says. That, you know, those who speak in tongue or will encourage themselves. And that's why it's the least of the gift. It's not for the body. It's for the individual. Except the interpretation is different. Okay? Luke twenty-two thirty-two. Jesus said, But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. But when you have returned to me, strengthen your brothers. So for all of you that are out there and you've fallen away in this message is bringing you back you know you need to know that you know to strengthen your brothers tell them that you just recommitted your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and right there they'll be strengthened there's no doubt about it Jesus is telling that to Peter verse 12 oh yeah there's number four for the prophet of all that you and Paul may be comforted by mutual faith you are blessed by the establishment of the spiritual gifts. Do not neglect them. And do not discourage people that have them. Now, some people, you know, a lot of the gifts have been abused. I don't disagree with that. They have been abused. If You know what? If that person prophesies and it does not line up with this, walk away from them. Or tell them, I'm sorry, that doesn't line up with scriptures. You're, not a, you're a false prophet. I've heard some of these things, and I'll tell you what, I, you can tell. If you know the Word of God, you can tell if it's of God or not, because it will line up with this perfectly. Okay, six things not to be ignorant of in, in verse 13, which is our last verse. Judge among yourselves, is it proper for a woman, well, wait a minute, I'm sorry, I'm reading out of Corinthians, Romans chapter verse 13. 
Now I do not want you to be unaware, uh, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but but was hindered until now, that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. Paul is saying, I want to come to you because I want to win some people over to Christ so that I can have fruit, fruit. I've brought fruit into the kingdom, Paul is saying, from Rome. So, verse 13 says, I often plan to come to you. In other words, Paul is saying, I desire to come see you in Rome. It's like, you know, Mercy Me is going to be down here at the Sunrise Theater next month. And you know what? You might be longing to see them. Well, Paul's long, longing to see the Roman saints. He's, he's longing for that. And he, he says he, 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 he often planned. His desire was to come, but he couldn't get there. And as I said, you know he's going to get an all-paid trip on a Roman or not a Roman ship, but an Alexandrian ship to Rome under the command of a, a Roman officer. Number two, I don't want you to be ignorant of the ministry. That's, that's blindness in part has, has happened to Israel in Romans 11.25. That blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the time comes in. Paul wants to preach in Rome because they're, they're Gentiles. He's hoping that, you know, Israel will be saved and maybe he's going to be reach, reach the last one in Rome. Romans, let's see, 1 Corinthians 10, 1 and 2 says that our fathers were under a cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. He's saying to us, you know what, you know, you have been baptized in Jesus Christ. You've been baptized with the waters of baptism for repentance through John the Baptist or through whoever baptized you, and you were, you were baptized into the, into the sea. You're a believer, in other words. You're, the cloud follows you by day, and the, and the light lights your way, the fire lights your way at night. 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 2, I'm going to read that for you. 1 Corinthians 10. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware, unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses, and, some, and they ate the same spiritual brood and drank the same spiritual drink. But they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. See, we, your spiritual rock is Christ. They were baptized in the cloud and in the sea, and you were baptized from, from darkness into light and from, from into water into, into repentance. Verse, verse um, and concerning spiritual gifts, Paul's saying, I don't want you to be ignorant. And as I said, there's church splits over the gifts of the Spirit, which ought not be. You know what? And number five, we don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure uh, above strength so that we despaired even of life. Paul is saying to you, listen, I'm preaching the gospel, and it's costing us big time. Number one, in Lystra, he was stoned to death. In Lystra, the Jews from Antioch, you know, came over and started trouble to the point 
where the the Jews in Lystra, you know, and and Iconium followed him and made him so angry at Paul they took him out of the city and stoned him to death. Supposing to be dead, the scriptures say. Well, he was dead. And then in Ephesus, he dealt with the witchcraft, Iconium. He dealt with the division of the people. And in Second Timothy chapter one and first uh, five, uh, Philogius and Hermogenes turned away from him. They left him. They deserted him. He's been through it. He's been through hell and high water, Paul. But he's going. He is not stopping. He's going to preach the gospel, and that's a message for us today. We cannot stop preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Someone said to me this week, and he's here tonight. He said to me, "I think that this is Paul's thorn in the flesh. The thorn in the flesh is all these Jews came to, you know, just just to take him down everywhere he went. They were a thorn in his side, and that's highly possible." Highly possible. I never thought of it, but it's true. The thorn in his side was all the, all the trouble he got from the Jews, even the Jews that believed that wanted to stick to Judaism. And then here says Paul saying, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren. I took out this ignorance because that's what he's talking about. I do not want you to be ignorant concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest your sorrows as others have no hope. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. We need to remember that. Anybody in your family, your son, your daughter, your mother, your father, your aunts, your uncles, your neighbor, your friends, your enemy died? You know what? Don't be ignorant because Jesus is going to bring them back with him. Their spirits are going to come back and then the dead in Christ are going to rise first. They are alive is what this verse is telling you. That's First Thessalonians 4, 13 and 14. I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. When people you know and love die, you have hope in Jesus Christ because you know he's a promise. If you're ignorant to the fact that Jesus is coming back, you might want to get into a church that's teaching a little deeper, Okay. Because Jesus came, and he's going to come again, and he's going to raise up those who died in Christ. And then we who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Don't be ignorant of that. People say, oh, that's a fairy tale. Believe me, Jonah and the whale wasn't a fairy tale. Jesus backed it up. You know, David and Goliath ain't a fairy tale. Noah's Ark isn't a fairy tale. They have they have archaeology. Uh, I guess it's archaeology. The proof that the flood did exist. How, ca- how can you find a seashell on the top of Mount Everest? How'd it get there? You know how? Because the earth was flooded with water. That's how. That's how. You know what? This is the Word of God. Believe it. It's true. And don't neglect imparting a spiritual gift to your brother because it's needed for the church, for the benefit of all, to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's all I have to say about that. We'll see where God leads us next week. So listen, if you don't know Jesus, get on your knees right now. If you're shaking in your bootstraps, that's the Holy Spirit. Don't say no. I mentioned last on Sunday, God pronounced a sentence on 
Cain after he killed Abel, and he kicked him out of the garden or out of the out of the out of the area. And Cain says, "My my penalty, my punishment is too hard to bear." In Genesis 4:13, and Genesis 4:16, it says that Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. I'm going to tell you what, people. The worst thing you can do is go out from the presence of the Lord. And the presence of the Lord is here tonight. And if you say no to him, you're as bad off as Cain. Your punishment is going to be too great for you to bear. Because you need Jesus Christ to get you into heaven. You must be born again. Father, tonight we thank you for your word, Lord. We bless your holy name. Thank you, Father, for showing up mightily and powerfully. And I pray that if there's anybody over the Internet that has quit playing games with Jesus, I pray that they will let me know by texting me, not texting me, but but uh, emailing me at joe at freedomchurchpb.org. Joe at freedomchurchpb.org for palmbeach.org so that we can rejoice with the angels in heaven because of a, a, a person has returned to you or has received you for the first time. To you be the glory, Lord God. We love you with all of our heart and we love our Savior Jesus and we can't wait to see him when he comes back roaring in the clouds. We long for that day because we know it's true. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you, everybody. Come, remember Sunday, 10 a.m. I love you all.